and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. I am here with two members of my firefighting family tonight. I have Ash. Hello. And I have Rob. Hi there. Well, uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. We have some news. There's some pretty big news, actually. Um, down in the States there, they had quite a tornado go through. It's pretty devastating. Yeah. Rob. Um, just reading some of the news stories, the one I've got. Thanks, Todd. Here, uh, pretty huge tornado that tore through the through the states. Uh, I want to say Saturday night. Uh, was it, yeah, tenth or the eleventh? Eleventh. Yeah, uh, through five states: so Arkansas, Missouri, Illinois, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Although I'm sure most of you have already seen a lot of this news already, uh, but we just wanted to quickly touch on it. Um, most of the major damage being done in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really gets me is the actual size of this tornado and the distance that it actually traveled. Um, they were calling it an F5 tornado, which is, uh, I think that six is the biggest yeah. that they can get. Pretty but, fucking bad, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. and they said it uh, traveled along a 227-mile path. Which, for us Canadians, is 365 kilometers. Yeah. It's like you're near the coast. Yeah, man. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. That is a huge Mm -hmm. path. That's a lot of damage, destruction. Uh, They're talking in upwards of about 100 people uh, dead. Uh, 70, at least in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Another And these numbers, they keep going up. Like, the one press release we were just reading earlier, it sounded like they were, this is like totally early numbers they're expecting it to go higher because they said the one article we were reading was uh there's so much damage structural damage to a lot of these large buildings that got hit um they just don't have the accountability out of of all the people who are missing for sure and the one article they were mentioning uh the emergency responders were having to like crawl Mm -hmm. literally crawl over other bodies and people to get you know successful rescues Right. To get the viable yeah. people out. So you talk mm-hmm. about these mass, mass triaging. It, it's atrocious. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, some of the pictures that are out there, like these massive mm-hmm. warehouses where people were working, flattened, nothing left. Like, trying to go through that stuff, that rubble. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. you talk about like our, our HUSART teams, like our heavy urban uh, search and rescue teams and stuff, like trained and dedicated to um, structure collapse and mm-hmm. going through that like now that path like how many teams are there to yeah, go right. and help like it's it's we're talking about it earlier like if something like that in our area you know we have we have a team at the coast that mobilizes and, and they travel um but those initial hours it's all going to be the smaller departments that's right you know, dealing with it mm-hmm. like that's got to be extremely hard yeah. for sure i was just just as we were chatting here um I mean, it's the the level of devastation is. I mean, it's super super sad. But one of the articles did post that um, there was in one location um, the the toll uh, was potentially lower than initially anticipated uh, as more were able to be rescued. Um, so a little a little bit of good good there. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, in a few of the sections, they they were finding some that initially thought were not going to be a viable save. So it's good that uh, you know as time progresses, they are 
you know, finding more. Uh, but again, the uh, number is quite, quite high, and it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's a really terrible si- you know, situation there. So, Yeah, and they say it's, like, very rare because it's so late in in the season for a tornado of that size. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, though, as we've seen here in Canada, the weather patterns change. In the past month, we've had, you know, these atmospheric rivers and... Mm-hmm. Um, like we just had last week, it snowed and two days prior to it snowing, it was plus 20. Yeah. Um, so we've seen some dramatic weather patterns and changes and Mm. obviously that's, you know, with the jet stream and all that type of stuff is changing weather patterns down in the States. So hopefully, you know, that's, that's the last that they'll see for this year, this season. Yeah. Um, and that doesn't continue on and they have some unbalanced weather conditions down Mm -hmm. there that makes it worse for them but uh um yeah it's a pretty major situation down there yeah pretty unbelievable the the magnitude of devastation is, is huge yeah mm-hmm. that the, the path that's the thing that gets me like 365 kilometers that's yeah, like, huge. straight running like mm-hmm. yeah it went through five states they said right yeah. wow unreal well okay mm-hmm. on to some uh more upbeat news mm-hmm. uh it is well, I guess tis the season, Christmas season. Yeah. So Christmas parties. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys just finished your kids' Christmas party, and we have ours coming up uh, next weekend for our kids. So nice. Why don't you guys chat about that? So every year, um, we are lucky enough that Santa uh, manages to make a trip down um, to the southern end of the valley here and pays a visit to all of the uh, families and kids of the fire hall here. Uh, so a, a group of his helpers get together, uh, usually a week or so beforehand and, um, go and help decorate and, and get, uh, get, uh, all of Santa's gifts, uh, pack, packaged up for him, which obviously he sends down from the North Pole for them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we, we bring in family, all, all the families and, and kids and, uh, Santa comes and, uh, he gets to ha- handle gifts and we have some games uh, we have some arts and crafts. We make up some food for them. Just a real nice family type environment, which is really really cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, coming, I don't want to say coming off COVID because it's still su- you know super super rampant. But uh, we're we're very grateful that in these times we are able to gather as a family still. Um, right. And it, it really showed today. Like it was nice mm-hmm. to see everybody together. Um, you know, people were being mindful of it, and uh, it, it was still really, really nice. You, know, you you can tell that it's something that's been lacking, um, and being able to to sort of gather at this time was it was really, really good. Yeah, it's definitely beneficial. You know, like just to bring that uh, that family aspect back into the departments again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because COVID the past couple of years has been really challenging trying to get together with groups and stuff. For sure, it has now been. with restrictions lifting, we're we have the ability to do that. It's, it's nice mm-hmm. to almost feel back into the, the real world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were we were late arriving to the the kids' party. Um, myself, my wife, uh, and a couple of the members of the department, we actually helped out this morning with uh, delivering Christmas hampers nice. to uh, various residents in town. And so what, you know, used to take the organizers like five hours in the day um, took us like two and a half hours to do Mm. with just all those extra hands getting things delivered out 
to people that uh, need some stuff. So awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so so important, right? It's so fun to be able to to do those like Christmas hamper and food drives and things like that. For so sure. This practice for us, we have a, a food drive at our hall as well. Yeah. Nice. We're going to be doing so. It's 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 really nice to give back to the community as well mm-hmm. for certain things like that. Yeah, you guys are stealing our idea of a drive-through food donation. Aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Well, we did the the. Last year, uh, we did a door-to-door one, and that was challenging because you get, like, mixed reviews. Some people are like, why are you knocking on my door so late? Yeah. You know, others are like, what? You guys didn't come to my door. It's like, <laughs> you got to draw the line somewhere. Yeah, for sure. But. makes people, it makes it more available to, for people to come out and yeah. donate if you just open up the hall. and yeah, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, it's really good. And mm-hmm. also is uh, Christmas truck season for you guys, right? That's right. Yeah. So we start that next, next week. Friday, Friday I believe, yeah. yeah. So for six nights, truck. we'll be be driving around Carroll truck, Santa truck. Um, we've expanded our territory. We're going north. Uh, we've got quite the community on the northern end of our our coverage area now. Um, very densely populated. Uh, so we've expanded out out there just to kind of you know bring in some Chris, you know, the old Christmas cheer. I, I think it, it goes a long the, way. Talking about the prison. <laughs> we are not <laughs> a little a little further past that. Okay, we'll drive uh, by. <laughs> that's very high density. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we all you know gather up and and head out. We just outfitted. We we got quasi don't donated to us. It was the old Shriners trailer. Yeah. Um. So they're um chapter closed locally here just due to aging membership and such um so they donated the trailer to us we in turn made a donation to their parent organization um and we've got it all strung with lights and um we're gonna have a propane fire pit on there and hay bales that you know kids can sit on we usually do this on like a flat deck trailer but now that we we have one that's going to be um it's got a little roof on it railings yeah railings for safety like this thing's like so so nice so we drive around we have christmas music blaring uh we have santa on one of the trucks waving away at the families and kids i actually just was pulling into my my house yesterday yesterday today Mm, yesterday and one of my neighbors comes up to me and says, hey, sorry to bug you, but uh, I saw something on Facebook, but you don't have the dates posted yet. When's uh, <laughs> Santa coming through? Yeah. And I'm like, ah, you know, I don't have the dates, you know, confirmed for each neighborhood, but make make sure to watch and we're, we'll be posting just kind of start of the week here to let, you know, let everybody know. Yeah. And she's like, ah, yeah, like we always have a party down in Arbor Crest. Um, she's like, we always make make sure that we all go to one one area so we can, you know, imbibe in some Christmas cheer and yeah. and then come out and sing along as the trucks pass and wave. And people really look forward to that. Oh, it's huge. Mm-hmm. People love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And again, it gets all of us and our families together because we invite our, you know, wives, children. Yeah. Um, everybody gets to come out. And, you know, we've got a membership of 30, 35, 37 people. Um you know, we're not all out on every night, but a portion of us come out every night. Um, and then practice night is usually the biggest attended one. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get yeah. like, it's a, every piece of 
apparatus rolls out and yeah. trucks and trailers and kids and it is such an amazing environment it's really really cool yeah. in years past we've taken some live video and we'll be sure to do that again because um yeah it's it's a really fun fun event yeah it's always a blast you know just having the uh the christmas music cranked and people hear it coming and come running out of their house and waving yeah. some people are you know there's candy canes and yeah, mm -hmm. it's a blast I think we've been doing it about 20 years. I can't, don't remember when it started exactly. Mm -hmm. It might have even been longer. It might have been the mid-90s, but late 90s, early 2000s is when it started. Mm -hmm. and Would have been good to ask Paul today who was here. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. yeah, one of our lifetime members. He's uh, been around for, well, a lifetime. Um, <laughs> um, had a little bit of a health scare. Uh, ended up coming uh, back home and your last month yeah and uh, yeah and they are down for the kids christmas because awesome. his uh, grandson still attends so it was uh it was really good to see him and he's a bit of a uh fire department historian absolutely so yeah that that would have been the question to ask yeah that's great yeah it's always such a blast having that yeah for sure and on another sort of positive note so coming off the back of Movember uh, speaking of drive-throughs and uh, giving uh, back yes. and whatnot so we didn't talk about it last week and we, we prob prob probably could have um, we do our annual drive-through breakfast mm -hmm. at the hall here um, and this this year uh, every, every year we we semi-pick a local charity that we, we try to give give to um, and uh, this year ended up going to the food bank. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think we've donated to them uh, in in large funds for for a couple years. So yeah, uh, it it was nice to to go to the food bank and um, yeah, we got a crew together. We we uh, clear out a couple bays. Uh, vehicles actually drive through. They come in. They place their order. Uh, we have uh, a lot of it prepped, and then we make a, a, a breakfast sandwich, a hash brown, an apple. Uh, and coffee or juice, um, and it's by donation. So it doesn't matter what it is. If you have a dollar, you get a breakfast for a dollar. If you have fifty, you know, fifty bucks, you get a fifty dollar breakfast sandwich. And <laughs> you you definitely get the full, you know, the full array of of uh, monies there. And this year, I think we cleared and donated three thousand dollars. Yes, nice. So a nice little donation before Christmas. Um, I think it was very, very much appreciated. So, um, one of the, one of the large donors was, uh, Transwest Helicopters who, who donated a thousand dollars. So yeah. very, very nice of them to, uh, to Pitch in. toss yeah. a, a large chunk of that. So, um, hats off to them and to everybody else that, uh, came out and, and, uh, supported <clears throat> and came out and helped, uh, prepare. So that was really, really good. I'd like to see one year, not not for our drive through breakfast, but for our, our Christmas truck, whether we do a, a collection for food bank or mm -hmm. we do a, you know, a toy drive or something like that. I know for it's sure. right just before Christmas, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, something like that. Because you're, you're always getting people out that want to give us money. Mm -hmm. um, for sure. And, and we never want to take it because that's not what we're it's doing. It's not what it's about. But yeah. I'm sure we could always do a collection of some. Mm -hmm. some type for food bank whether it's canned goods or whether it's actually just money donation because that's usually seems to be about the time of year mm -hmm. they're they're looking for that type of stuff too for sure and like beyond that like 
I think like around the holidays, your Thanksgivings, your your Christmas, like that's when kind of everybody is thinking, hey, let's give to this charity or to this organization. But what happens in January and February when like, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's kind of reeling from the holidays and I assume those donations probably start to dry up a bit. The summer months, they really dry up actually, the food banks as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lot of the... uh... The ask for helps are in the kind of the June, July, August yeah. months for the food banks. I know mm-hmm. um, they get struggling pretty good. So that wouldn't be a bad thing is if we ever took some of that um, to kind of make a bit of a fund and then do a like a midsummer donation. Mm-hmm. I think that would mm-hmm. go a long, long way. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That Carol Truck's a blast. Yep. There's lots of yeah. opportunity to do a lot of good things. Yeah. And then lastly, actually, just as we were sitting here chatting, I had a pretty cool thing happened on Friday at work, which uh, you generally don't get to hear um, kind of the the good stories that come from uh, a potentially bad call. So back in June or July, um, we had a uh, road rescue just south, south of town, a uh, single motor, a uh, single motorcyclist uh, went off into the orchard, uh, took out a couple of road signs and was pretty banged up. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm at work. It was right at the end of my day and had a couple staff on and I walk out to the, to the front of the store and one of my guys is chatting with a customer and they're doing their thing and I'm kind of wrapping up. So I'm like casual, like, Hey, how's it going? He's like, Oh, good. I'm like, is this guy helping you? And like, you know, banter, banter. And, uh, he starts talking to him about why he's missing an arm. And he's like, hey, like, like I, I don't want to be rude, but, like, we've known you as a customer for a while now, and we would see you, and then we didn't see you, and now we see you again. And, like, I can't help but notice, and if it's not too much to ask, like, what, like, he was really, really respectful about it, and the guy was very receptive, and he made the joke. He's like, yeah, it was a dog bite. It was my grandma's chihuahua. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, uh, okay, I guess he's not being receptive anymore. <laughs> and he's like, no, it was actually a motorcycle accident. And I'm right. like, like right, right away, I'm like, bing. I'm right. like, oh, really, eh? So south of town? And I think I was, oh, I was wearing my fire department mask. Yeah. And he's like, oh, were you there? And I said, oh, yeah, as a matter of fact, I, I was. And he's like, man, I just want to thank you, like, because of you guys and because of the, um, you know, at, the ambulance crew that was there uh you guys are the reason why i'm still still here and like he was over the top happy and you you just never or not often do you get that like well after the fact like he like was so grateful and it was such a cool experience like i'm like i just kind of walking by and like the thank you for your service things that go around, yeah. you know, yeah. like we make a lot of fun of it, but like when you're talking like face to face with a person that like, when you're looking at them and you're like, yeah. Oh, this guy's in a bad way. Um, yeah. So other than losing, uh, the, the lower portion of his arm, he uh, completely rehabilitated and has like a really positive outlook on life. It seems. And I was very, very thankful. So, so pr- pretty cool event there. And one of our rookie members, uh, who works for me, was standing there and he was like taken back. He's like that. That was such a cool experience yeah. to like watch you guys talk about his like his event and like he was asking questions and I'm like, man, I'm gonna be honest with you. Like 
not like we've had so many, but like I don't want to blur what happened to you just with somebody else. But uh, I do recall the event. I recall a you know a couple things, and like all I'd really say was I'm just really happy for you that like you're standing here today because you were in a bad way and now you're not. So <clears throat> that is very very positive. Awesome. So yeah. really really cool. That was one of those calls where it was in the summer, only a couple of months after our first FR mm -hmm. group went right. through, and we were not dialed in, but we were. Everyone just switched on, switched like, on, ready, like yeah. ready to work and help, right? Yeah, one of those medical calls where we yeah. were like, okay, we know what to do here and mm -hmm. help get this guy ready and packaged up. And yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's yeah. a prime example right there is you know, why we do what we do, right? Yeah. Full circle, right? You get to yeah. see the see the outcome and it's po it's positive enough. He's alive and yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. That yeah. doesn't happen all that often where you get to meet somebody that was on a call that you were you were at or a part of and for sure you know. no exactly mm -hmm. yeah. yeah all right well let's move on to actually what we're gonna start talking about mm -hmm. um our news went for a while uh yeah i did 20 minutes worth <laughs> yeah so our, the practice you guys just did uh you guys brought in um one of the, the other neighboring departments in the north of you uh so they came down to your burn building training center and you guys ran some scenarios what we do you guys want to talk about that yeah, sure. We had one of our departments come down. They they want to throw. They're they're more strictly an exterior department. Yeah. Uh, but we've been kind of giving them some extra training on some interior tactics, and uh, I think you guys did a uh, in the summertime. I think you did some training with them. We did. Yeah, about, it was the hottest day of the year. <laughs> like in some interior, um, I think hose movement. It was just and, some quick hose movement. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and like two days later, they had a room and contents, yeah. and they pushed in and didn't lose the structure, which nice. they not they would have, but they were actually scaled up through that training. Mm -hmm. They they had some a little bit of knowledge on it, and they could read what was happening, and they made a quick push, and they kept it to a room and contents. It was nice. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So uh, this time around, we had them in, and we were doing a VIS uh, tactic. Mm-hmm. And just they had um, enough to run two search teams and event team, mm -hmm. and we just ran through them a bunch of times, and everybody switched roles and did everything. And yeah, yeah that was the night, just getting them kind of trained up and getting the the idea as to how that tactic works and why we do why at least for us why we do what we do on that type of tactic mm -hmm. um, for searches and. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think everybody was learning lots there. It was really good. So we started the night in the truck base, and we did a bit of a whiteboard and talked about why. Um, for I know we've discussed it here before about that exterior on, on exterior only departments. Um, so they're mandated by their governing agency. Um, at this level of training they are not certified to go interior. So that doesn't mean that their skill level and their like their department stops at the front door. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that people out there don't read that as black and white. They're like, yes, this is like where we're supposed to train to um, for operational reasons, but everybody is a realist and they know there's going to be that time. Why don't we have the knowledge? for when this happens, yeah. right? Like always train above your level. So you have it 
as a backup like always strive to be better and that's kind of like what it seems like they're embracing um so they're prepared when that switch gets flipped because like they're they're not going to remain this until the end of time mm -hmm. they want to get that training they want to get certified where they can become an interior service department yeah um so we we came in and this was their um more experienced crew um, I think they had a couple guys that were actually 1001 that came from other uh, departments. Um, and uh, so we did the quick whiteboard talk, talked about um, like step by step what we were looking for. We drew up what the burn, burn building looks like. We talked about, um, you know, the viable search rooms on times and, and locations and knowing like, hey, this is our classic, what we call the the bc box home like it's a square right, yeah. split split level home which you see in every single town across the the province for you know 20 years worth of construction um like it's pretty simple to be like that's a bedroom that's a bathroom that's a living room <laughs> right not all homes are the same but like it's pretty it's pretty quick quick to tell so we discussed that for a bit and then we discussed those times like if it's two in the morning and there's two vehicles home and there's no no one outside yet or there's one person outside and you know you get those clues so we talked talked about that took took them over to the burn burn room there uh walked walked through without any fire smoke anything just said hey this is the building did a bit of a safety like these are going to be your exits and this is what you're looking for uh just so you're not coming in blind it's awesome to go into a training scenario where you don't know what you're going to get because that's more realistic but you don't do that like that's layering right you don't yeah. do that right off the hop you want to give them every chance to succeed um and then make it challenging in that environment um so yeah like rob said we got a couple teams going we had an upstairs search team uh, so they were throwing some ladders and they were doing a search upstairs. Uh, we used our child dummy. So it's not like, you know, sure, we want you to find somebody. We want you to make that that grab. But let's not make it so like they're trying to drag the heaviest rescue dummy that we have. That's right, no, yeah. let's make them succeed once they find it, right? Uh, so that that happened. Um, it was a super good, good practice. And, you know, we're like, ah, we'll go like, maybe for three rotations. I think we had five because they were so jack jacked up and wanted to keep on training. Yeah. Nice. Um, and we're having them again this coming Wednesday again. Yeah, so, more, of their, more of their rookies. Yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a split bag. Um, definitely more rookie-based, though. So um, we're going to do a cold start for them. Um, just kind of talk about that fire, fire dynamics, talk about the safety of their equipment. Um, and then the more experienced people, I think we'll, we'll have them doing some VIS um just kind of without the fire attack side of it they'll just be going in and out while we're over there getting it started mm -hmm. um we'll kind of split the teams into two and then the last one we'll do like, like a mini sim where we'll do the full thing and there will be a full search team event team and a extinguishment yeah. i'm i you know i have to say good for them to to um do a little bit of interior training because uh, just thinking about their community that they serve, uh, they have a lot of multi-level apartment places and uh, condos. They have mm -hmm. mobile home parks. They have a, a, a decent-sized coverage area where they're only serving you know, exterior qualified right now. Um, so for them to start moving towards interior where they do have those homes that, again, they're going to have a lot of retirement age um, residents and mobility, mobility restricted residents. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
So for them to learn these tactics and you know, to be able to train them and over the over the years, because it's going to be over the years, for them to get more proficient at it mm-hmm. um, is going to be huge for that community. Oh, for if, sure, if ever they do have an event where they need to do a tactic like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's the trick with uh, when you're talking departments that are at the moment just exterior progressing to interior. Um, you know, it's the... The hard stop is, is essentially uh, if it's an IDLH uh, environment, right? Mm-hmm. So at some point, you always have to be interior to put the fire out. That's right. You know, for in your overhaul stage. So, you know, at one point, they're going to be making a push in to a degree, mm-hmm. and they could suppress it enough to where then you can go interior and actually put the fire out. Mm-hmm. You know, not saying that you're, you're in your typical fully you know, multiple room type of structure doing a, an interior attack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you still safely work under your exterior ops, but you have to be doing these other tactics, that's like right. the transitional into whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So otherwise, it's super important, like you said, you have to be able to um, train to make those life-saving grabs if, yeah. if you need be. So mm-hmm. and it's I good think, that they're there practicing it. Yeah, and I think to show them... Th- the that tactic too how it's not really a, a dangerous tactic you know everybody seems to think that oh you're not doing any you're not doing any uh, suppression well you can put water on the fire mm-hmm. we're not we're not venting we're not we're not making the fire worse by doing that that mm-hmm. tactic you know we're we're closing off a room and we're searching one room uh, at least in this training scenario um, and we're showing them, you know, what's being done quickly to find a potential patient and extricate them and get out so that the yeah. the rest of the firefighting can continue on. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and I think, you know, we can show more people that tactic and how it, it's not, you know, as long as it's a, again, like you say, it's a viable search, um, it's it's really not a dangerous tactic we've done it a, a multiple times now for sure um mm. on actual calls and um i'll say with success concerned. not so much success yeah. with the patient but we've had great success with being able to uh rule out like we, we've had a couple where there's been reports of people inside yeah. and we've been able to go in there like do a, mm. a pretty thorough search of every room every viable room um and then move into your extinguishment Right, you know, rather than ways of the past where you push in and those orientated searches or whatever. Um, yeah, it's uh, pe- people get hung up on the no hose line, and that's like I get it, but that's what search and rescue yeah. of our job is. Yeah, well, and that's why the vs is is so specific right like we're mm-hmm. not taking the charge line we've talked about yeah. it so many times in the past it's yeah it's that uh, very specific isolate the room yeah in and out right you know you're not uh necessarily doing it you know at the seat of the fire right it's mm. you know you're you're looking for those um those rooms that where there could potentially be that victim um and potentially be making that save as yeah. well mm-hmm. and so yeah there's yeah there's so many layers to it though but it's it's a good step that they're taking this practice, take the opportunity to come into the burn buildings, yep. get that experience and that uh, stress inoculation, right? Absolutely. In these like high value sims. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really. hat, you know, hats off to their leadership. I know they just had a 
a changeover at the chief level um, within the past year. Um, they've got some officers that are really stepping up, uh, some people that are looking to do some really good things in training. So, yeah, really, really happy for them. Uh, very, very happy to have them down. Uh, and look look forward to actually you know when we were talking just prior to hitting record about um, you know calling for the old uh, mutual aid. That's right. Um, yeah. We had a chat with them about that and how like like we're really open to that. Um, if ever needed, like we we're, we're ready to come and help. It's well within our mutual aid agreement. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know we may lean on them, and we're hopeful that they will lean on us. Yeah. I was just thinking the same thing. The more we know that they have specific tactics mm -hmm. in their in their bag, that mm -hmm. we can start relying on them for coverage or for assisting on absolutely various calls that we know yeah. they can do that. Mm -hmm. Sense, yeah. And these training scenarios, like when what I think we're super super lucky to have the facility that we have here. But when when we have other departments in, um, like when when Todd's department come, comes up, when these guys come on down and some of the others around us, when we work si side by side, I mean, that's a really great way. Um, I mean, in training is the best that like we've had some mutually fire calls where we've gotten some, some other departments, like the one up on the hill to us here. Uh, they've got to come, come down and they got in on the action. And um, I mean, that's a really good bonding point as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then it makes when you get that next um, you know, call for mutual aid, um, ah, it's just, it's nothing but good. Yeah. 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 It's a bit more dialed. Like you're, you have more of an awareness of everybody's uh, capabilities right? Absolutely. And, and limits as mm -hmm. well. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Good. Um, well, let's take a moment and talk about our last practice there mm -hmm. as well. Um, so we're just kind of finishing up some of the FR um, simulations. Mm -hmm. um, so we did three scenarios last week. Uh, I came up and helped with you guys with one. Um, so I can talk about mine first. And then mm -hmm. I know Ash, you weren't involved in that one. No, I was just doing hose movement with the rookies, yeah. which was pretty straight, straightforward. So don't really need to um, go too in depth on that. <laughs> and then Rob, you can, I'll lean on you a little bit as well because you went to all three, right? Uh, nope. I was assisting Warren on one of them. Oh, were you? Okay. Yeah, I was mm -hmm. a patient. Oh, I see. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Okay. All right. Well, you can talk about that one then okay. after. Uh, so for our sim, what I did was, um, again, we, we want to really, uh, we've been driving into everybody here just to get the, the basics down first, right, before everybody goes live. So um, you're kind of... Uh, scene assessments, scene safeties, and your primaries and secondaries, mm -hmm. and then some of your treatment plans and critical interventions. So um, what we did, everybody kind of, we had our little, our scenes, um, the guys got in the trucks, they drove around, and they were dispatched out mm -hmm. uh, to the scene. Um, so the crews that were dispatched to my scene, it was, all they were told was they were responding to uh, such and such address for a fall. Mm -hmm. um, when they came in, I was sitting down in the, the, the bay at, at the hall, uh, leaning up against a post. I had a, an arrow stuck in my leg, and I was quite vocal about um, what was going on. So as they approached, um, each time I'd start yelling at them, oh, about time you're here, this and that, and just kind of rambling on to my, my story, right? Making them come in and try and shut me up and steer the conversation, which they all did very well. Uh, so they saw the arrow in my leg. I was like, oh, I was I was up on the roof putting my Christmas lights up, my decorations, putting my reindeer up, and my drunk neighbor must have been shooting at the 
at the reindeer with his crossbow and he got me in the leg <laughs> and I fell off the roof. Oh, you fell. Okay. How, how far did you fall? Well, I was about 15 feet. Okay. How'd you get into here? Oh, I was able to get up and, and walked in and I sat down. Right. So they were asking all the high value questions. Okay. Well, what happened? How'd you get here? How'd you move here? You know, they asked me about the leg injury uh, and they're able to get somebody to stabilize that right away and cut and expose it. Um, and then they jumped into uh, starting the RBS. But before they started getting into that kind of rapid body survey and in their primary assessment still, I was still acting as the very pissed off person that just got shot in the leg. And I was trying to throw them off a little bit, but also make sure they control the scene. So I pulled out a pellet gun, a handgun, mm. uh, started waving it in the air. I was like, I went and got my gun and I was shooting back at the neighbor. Uh, as soon as I whipped it out, they controlled it right away. Mm-hmm. Um, each team slightly different. Uh, one team, Scott, I thought he was going to choke me out. <laughs> he, had, <laughs> he, had, he had control of the handgun immediately. Um, but then I made it clear that my I, I didn't have any <clears throat> anger intention toward them. There was mm-hmm. no intent to harm them. It was just, hey, this is what I have. They controlled it. They removed it from the scene, and we progressed from there. So it was good. So they made the scene safe. They removed mm-hmm. the, the weapon from the from the hot zone. Um, they updated dispatch accordingly. Hey, make sure the police are attending, etc. cetera. Uh, and then they started getting into the, the RBS. Um, what I also had was I had one of my little wound packers and um, tourniquet um, devices from uh, Rescue Essentials. Mm-hmm. Actually, so it's this, it's this kind of shoulder and arm harness that I put on. It's got a big gash on the arm and, and a tube and I had the, the squeeze bottle under my leg. So I was able to push down it and so it would start simulating a, a massive hemorrhage on my mm-hmm. arm. So it was soaking through a shirt and jacket I had all covered up. And as soon as they found it, they oh, this feels wet. And they cut and expose, pull it off. They actually cut my shirt up for me. Um, and then they could see it, it was leaking. So the direct pressure, uh, that didn't control it, moved to the tourniquet. Um, so all the steps that we're looking for, they followed. Um, every team nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, some went for more direct pressure. Others just went straight to the tourniquet afterwards. No right or wrong. It was all dealt with within seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so everybody did, did that very well. Um, and then basically I was looking for, I didn't want them to get too distracted on the major hemorrhage, but I wanted to get them to identify the critical intervention, treat it, and then still worry about my C-spine management from the fall, because it was a right. fall at, of 15 feet. So um, with our, our Canadian C-spine rules, that indicates a full C-spine. Right. Okay. So, yeah, so each, each team went through all the steps in the primary very well, um, recognized the scene safety, dealt with it, controlled the scene, uh, controlled me, um, dealt with the major, major hemorrhage, and then into the C-spine. And then we just talked about some delays uh, on the next steps, you know, if they're going to lay me down, uh, if they're going to start prepping me with the clamshell and whatnot, or if mm-hmm. they're just going to sit and wait and just manage C-spine management until mm-hmm. EMS arrives. Mm-hmm. So we had a little bit of debriefings about that. So if I get to ask, so what, what did each team, I mean, obviously with Scott, we don't know what he's going to do, <laughs> <laughs> but with each team, as far as what they did to, um, neutralize the handgun weapon, yeah. what, what did each team do? So two of the teams um, jumped on it right away, controlled my arm, yep. uh, grabbed the gun, controlled the firearm, um, rendered it safe, removed it, 
um, communicate to me, hey, let's just take that away from you and and safely. And at that point, I didn't resist it. I was like, I was like, oh yeah, no problem. Here you go. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Thanks for coming. Like okay. I made it very clear that there was no intent towards them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so those two teams handled that right away because they were right beside me when I pulled yeah. it out, mm-hmm. um, which is great because you want to get on that that weapon right away. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, the other team, they were still a little distance away when I branched it, when I pulled it out first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Carrie's team, it was it was great that she just said, oh, okay, well, we're, hey, we're just going to go grab something from the truck real quick. And she, they started backing out, yeah. um, which is, again, totally appropriate, mm-hmm. right? So the scene's not safe, they're out. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I said, oh, no, no, you guys are fine. Here, you want this? And I chucked it towards them, right? Okay. And then mm-hmm. they controlled it and then came back into the scene okay. to Perfect. assist me. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, again, it depends on how comfortable you are and how close to the patient you are, right? Yeah. When you want to control a weapon or control a patient. Mm-hmm. So, okay. uh, yeah, both, both or all three teams did, did very well for controlling that stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, other than that, there, there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, we, I think it was about 15 minutes we kind of dealt per team, per patient, um, and then progressed and then they, they wrapped up. We debriefed, um, Everybody was very good. Uh, it was a lot more streamlined than the previous week um, for kind of banging off uh, your vitals and your patient assessment, like you know your skin yeah. and every mm-hmm. breathing and whatnot, and cutting and exposing. Um, so it was a it was a very good and thorough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if the all the all the three scenarios were about um, scene awareness. Um, that's kind of the idea I got from from the one I was involved with with Warren. Um, so our, our call was, um, I was the patient, uh, we're at Warren's workshop where there's a bunch of woodworking tools, Mm -hmm. one of them being a drum sander. And we, uh, we had my hand caught in the, uh, working mechanisms of the, of the drum sander. So they would show, they would show up. And, uh, I think what his biggest takeaway was that he wanted to make sure that everybody was going to kill the power, make sure that machine was off mm-hmm, and then how, lock it out. yep. How to, you know, get the, get the arm out of there, the hand out of there. Uh, so my hand was in there in a way that there's a hand crank to release the, the, um, the bottom tray of the drum sander that you can, you can raise or, or lower the the base for thicknesses. And so my hand was in there pinched and I couldn't reach the handle. And so the way I had myself kind of leaned up against the machine was my, well, my hand and body were right up against the, the power buttons as well too. So they came in, uh, everybody did good at making sure, okay, where's the power for this and pulled the plug immediately. Awesome. Well, it was, wasn't plugged in anyways. Yeah. Cause I ain't sticking my hand but in there. They went, <laughs> they went through the motions. They went through yeah. the motions and then they're like, okay, well, how do we get your hand out of there? And I'm like, well, yeah, I trying to be a patient, but say that that's the handle there for it. And so once they released the pressure off my hand, um, what we actually had was a fake hand that had become severed from my arm, my arm. And now that pressure had kind of been controlling the bleeding. And once they let go of that, now I'm bleeding profusely. Uh, and so then they're like, okay, now we need to, now we need to deal with this. And, uh, Carrie's team, which was the first team showed up <laughs> Well, her hand went right over the end of my hand, like a nub and Perfect. Yeah. pressure on that mm-hmm. and, and up, up elevated, elevated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, they were, um, uh, 
everybody was fairly quick with the tourniquet as well. Um, Kevin's uh, Kevin's team, who's been on here before, um, he he actually went for the the pinch point in my arm and got it elevated um, in the muscle there and and got that. And man, did he grip on too? So <laughs> he, he was going for the realism there. Um, but uh, yeah, got that. They laid me down, got things elevated, uh, wrapped the end of of the hand, bandaged, and and some uh, ambo pads and mm-hmm. uh, and stuff like that. So everybody pretty good. Uh, a couple of them, yeah, right away they had the the tourniquets ready, and and I think that was just more going through that motion of scene awareness and. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, bleeding control uh, and yeah. then obviously uh, recognizing okay there's a severed hand we need to collect that hand put it in a bag get it on ice so that it can be transported and whatever it needs Bring to be it with. done with. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, and then yeah just going through some of the some of the motions of checking over uh, the rest of the patient and awesome um, yeah that was that was pretty much our scenes we debriefed afterwards too about what kind because we because we came over our radio as an industrial accident. So with an industrial accident, we don't really know what we're walking into. Um, and I know uh, in your job, Todd, you guys have to have the CO monitors on. Yeah. And we, that's not something that we have on us currently. Um, but, you know, uh, Warren kind of took us through his shop and he's got various other tools, but he's also got a spray, uh, a paint booth. Mm. Um, and that's just one of the things, if that call was in there, what... You know, mm-hmm. we're we're so used to rushing right in, mm-hmm. um, and I guess not taking our time and getting a, a real clear um, scene assessment on our medical calls. Um, those are things we're gonna have to work on and realize. Okay, that's a paint booth. What kind of chemicals are there? What's in yeah, this building? Absolutely. You know, just those types of calls mm-hmm. yeah. um, or those types of scene assessments. Um, but yeah, for the most part, everybody really good and. Um, in talking with Warren, he says, "Yeah, he's 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 feeling quite comfortable now with where everybody is, is getting to with everything. They're uh, they're hitting the marks, and mm-hmm. um, and that's yeah. that's exactly what we're striving striving for, right? It is just be very very good at the basics, the primary, the secondaries, and then we'll start, you know, growing from there into different sims and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And part of that is huge, like we said, like." locking out the equipment you know thinking ahead to be ahead right like the next steps um and you mentioned with uh, with the entrapment so any sort of impingement um or crush injury things like that yeah. you know the other thing we need to be considering is um are you going to be releasing that prior to ehs getting there um if you have to uh, for the patient's um, condition uh you're going to think about <clears throat> tourniquet application prior yeah. to removal of mm-hmm. that limb right things like that yeah so um, yeah, awesome. I was going to say, I was going to say something. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> well, it sounded like it was a really good oh. Sam. It got everybody thinking. Yeah. Sorry. I just remembered, uh, you know, that I said, uh, the other thing that's really nice about this is that was his workshop. So that's a real world environment that we could be working in. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, we get, I think with our, a lot of our medical calls, with our training, we get too used to being out in the bays or out in our, our briefing room or our ready room where we do our scenarios and we're not training in real world environments mm-hmm. and we're not realizing, okay, 
that chair is in the way, that couch is in the way, this table's in the way, there's that hazard, there's this thing, we need to, you know, and I think it helps us to get better at looking at our scene, yeah. realizing what things are there or not there that we can utilize or that we have to deal with. Mm -hmm. um, okay, we're going to have to lay this patient down. Can I lay my patient down here? No. Right. Do I have to move them to lay them down? Like with that crush injury, just thinking now too, um, there was a chair that they brought out um, to sit me down into. You know, you could keep that pressure in that in that machine and sit you down if that bleeding is controlled until maybe you do get better medical assistance to say what next steps are. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, and that's exactly where I think we want everybody's head to be at right now, right? Yeah. In this phase is just that that thinking ahead, okay, what are, what are the potential next steps? Is there delays for the ambulance? You know, what what could we be doing? Mm -hmm. And if we're not doing something, is that the right thing? Like, yeah. Because sometimes maybe not relieving that or disentangling that person yet is the move. I, I might, you might have to leave them there until you get some... Mm -hmm. some more things in place right yeah but it sounds like everybody is thinking along those lines or having those discussions which is key yeah, yeah. um and because yeah like and that's why we've been doing these scenarios like this is because we talked we wanted that um realism in the training right yeah. going into people's houses doing the sims there yeah. um matt had his team up in the room where we are right now you yeah. know sitting on the couches their their environment was an overdose right so then they had to you know move some furniture and make a make a path make an operating area right where you actually like treat the patient um and that's exactly what we're doing in that in the real world in the animals as well like just because where you find somebody isn't necessarily where you're going to be working on them. Yeah. You may have to drag them out into a working area, yep. especially if you're lying them down for a resuscitation, right. right? Which we found in some recent calls. Yep. You know, the room that they were in, not necessarily the best. So yeah. let's let's remove that and get a better working area. Yeah, we've done that numerous times is uh, you roll in for a cardiac arrest, for example, and they're in the bedroom or the bathroom. Mm -hmm. if, if that isn't enough of an area... I'm dragging them down the hall into the kitchen in the yep. floor. Like, mm -hmm. That's just what happens. I'm, yeah. I'm dragging them 20 feet yep. so we can actually work on them. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, that's great. It sounds like everybody's at that level of discussion and, and thinking ahead, right? Yeah. That's where we want to be. I think you, you definitely nailed it there. These sims are great because it's it's getting our minds working. Mm -hmm. um, this is, I've, I've said this a thousand times, we are way out of our comfort zone as a fire department going into medical rescue and such and uh, getting ourselves out of our comfort zone and getting after the sims, the discussion that happens after it is almost more valuable than the going through the sim itself and then hearing about the, the other crews and how they reacted to the exact same thing that your crew just did or a similar yeah. sim that your crew just just did i think the difference between like rob said warren after like he led his crew and he's like we're not ready and then a week or two passes you know further discussion a couple more sims go through some further discussion and he's like you know what i take i take that back i think we are ready with like some you know, small, small little caveats, but mm -hmm. he says we, we will only provide a higher level of care. Like, like we, all we can do is come in there and improve the sick, their, their uh, situation. Mm -hmm. Um, we're not going to be 
you know, making anything worse. Um, we, we can always improve and we, we will improve, you know, from here until the end, you know, the end of time. But we are coming in and providing a better level of care than they would get, obviously, if we weren't there. So he says, yeah, no, we, we aren't going to come in looking like idiots. Now, I think that was his, his yeah. biggest thing. He says, we don't want to come in there looking like idiots. We want to, mm-hmm. you know, provide a level of care and we're going to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. Like one of the things I just thought of while we were talking while we were talking um, is in that crush injury or that severed hand injury. Um, probably what we don't think about, but we'll think about now is as we're treating for shock, um, you know, if if that pinch there is being controlled by that and we can leave that there, um, obviously, as you guys come in, um, we can't. We can't. We can treat for shock, but we can't do any. We can't really do anything more to improve that situation. Like you guys, uh, some some paramedics can be trained to put an IV and maybe get a mm-hmm. um, some fluids into the body to help. Um, that's something we can't do. So if we can maybe control that bleeding so that he doesn't go in into shock mm-hmm. sooner, um, that that can improve the situation. Um, something I'm thinking about. You know. Now that you go, if you go to a call like that, you're going to like, okay, maybe we don't want to relieve that pressure. Sit down. Let's, you know, get ready to treat this if we have to, if something goes worse. Mm-hmm. For now, we can mm-hmm. leave that there um, until you guys get there. You guys get to have a better look at, okay, we don't want to do that. We want to be prepared for this or that. And mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing. Like it's, it's, we can, you can sit back and. And what if, like anything that we do, we do, right? For sure. But uh, as long as people are thinking that route, and again, it, it's that patient's condition is going to dictate the response, right? So if they're in shock or compensated shock at that point, you may have to be like, no, we need to extricate now. So we're going to throw a tourniquet on and we're going to mm-hmm. extricate him and land down right away, yeah. right? Like, Or, like you said, hey, you know what? There's minimal blood loss. It's controlled. Let's leave it. He's doing okay other than the pain. Yeah, you know, and go from there. Right? So there's lots of little things you can do, and yeah. that comes with uh, with experience and practice, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, it's coming, like, we're we're assisting. We're not transporting. We're not. We're getting them ready for you guys, mm-hmm. um, and that's that's you know that's the best that we can do is is mm-hmm. make sure that the patient's ready for you guys for when you guys do show up. Um, you know, obviously we can't do IVs because we're not trained for it. Uh, you're trained for it, yeah. Um, and others are trained for it, and uh, yeah. There's only there's only a limit to what we can do. For, yeah, and for, I mean, and that's to say, like, like IVs aren't aren't the, the end all, right? There's no numerous things you need blood products and other stuff, but yeah. there's um, yeah. It, it's it's keeping it back to the basics, really simple things. Mm-hmm. And actually, that brings into some the scope changes that are coming. It's kind so of there's nice. um, there's going to be some changes coming with the FR scope. Uh, so we work under the EMA licensing board as uh, first responders and paramedics and whatnot. And so they've announced that their changes have been made. However, they don't have the rollout for it quite yet. So we're just waiting to hear what the um, uh, framework of that's going to look like to actually get people trained up with the changes and actually the go live date for that. Mm-hmm. And one of those, actually I'll, I'll read them off here. There's, but that's going to get into a bit more of that uh, patient packaging and extrication mm-hmm. stuff as well. So currently some of the changes that are going to be facing for the FRs anyways, um, 
I gotta kind of pick through this document a little bit as I read it here, but um, some of the things is a bit more um, airway changes, so air, airway management techniques. Uh, so obviously there's there's OPAs, uh, but there's gonna be more suction devices and um, uh, possibly some other superglottic airways as as well with some suctioning. That's gonna help a lot. Um, with that, uh, let's see here. So we got uh, yeah, obviously defibrillators. That's already in the in there. Um, uh, pulse oximetry is going to be coming out. Um, uh, glucometry as well. I mean, it it sounds minor, but like at the FR level, currently, unfortunately, they can't be tech checking for a blood sugar. It's this: yeah. you go on signs and symptoms, and you give them some some glucagel and the, the cheek, and mm -hmm. away you go. But that's it's super awful. It's horrible. Um, so with the glucometry, you'll be able to actually take the, the blood sugar level, see what it is, and with that, support it, if needed, with uh, an IM glucagon as well. So in more intramuscular medications. Uh, some of those IM medications is going to be um, uh, epinephrine uh, by auto-injector, because um, right now it is just currently an assist in the patient. Right. Yeah. Um, so you'll be able to do that. Um, I'm going to be doing some, uh, some wound packing. Um, there's going to be... Emergency fracture management and mobilization. Uh, I'm not sure what that framework is going to do. I think that might get into some pelvic binding. Right. Mm. Uh, so that's not currently in scope for you guys, but yeah. I believe mm -hmm. that'll come out. Um, and then the, the other, the big one is the, uh, they phrase it as lift, load, extricate, and evacuate. So we talk about patient packaging, right? Um, many FR departments uh, or just fire departments in general are always assisting in actual patient extrication of out of the vehicles. Mm -hmm. um, it's currently not within those guidelines, but with that, everybody will be covered on the actual right. patient packaging and extrication. Mm -hmm. uh, and then potential, there's some transportation wording in there as well. We don't know what that framework's gonna be like yet. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, what else, some of the other big ones? Um, the anticoagulants, uh, anti where are we here? Oh yeah, so like uh, like our quick clots, things like mm -hmm. that. Um, hemostatic agents uh, for wound packing. Uh, yeah, your, I mentioned your IM um, injections, uh, intranasal administration of opiates and, as well. Uh, so you'll be able to give uh, naloxone through the nares, right? Mm -hmm. uh, blood pressures be back into scope. That's yeah. so funny that it wasn't, and that was one of my talking points. I'm like, it's so crazy that that's not in our scope, so let's hammer down, mm -hmm. like, let's just bang off the stuff that is, and then the day after this came yeah. out, which, like, this might not go live. It's going to be a little bit until yeah. they get the course framework out for people. For sure. Like, it'll be into the new year at some point in time. Um, so, like... I don't want to put all that stuff on the back burner. Like so much of this stuff is things that we've, we've trained for already. Yeah. Um, I think in all of the courses, they definitely trained well, well above scope. Um, but I, I didn't want to see our guys get weighed down in things that were outside of our scope until we had everything that was dialed. Yeah. Um, but it's so awesome to hear some, some of the stuff that is going to get, you know, op opened up yeah. to, the FR level. Mm -hmm. um, 
and again, like everything that you see, you spoke of there, I don't know the most recent courses, but like, these are all things that we've, that we have had, had hands on training with. Um, it's just been outside of our scope. So, yeah. And the big thing with bl- the blood pressure, like we've always, we've trained is, you know, okay. So you guys can't take blood pressures right now. Uh, so well, what do we do? We'll check for a radio. If it doesn't have a radio, okay, well, we know it's going to be under 80, mm-hmm. right? So th- there's things that you can look for for patient symptoms and, and, yeah. and know what they're looking for, what their cap refill is, their yeah. skin colors, thing, things like that. But the other big thing with taking a blood pressure is now it's going to give the ability to provide some information and some um, on kind of their, their current cardiovascular state is, are they hypotensive? Are they hypertensive? You know, then we can relay that to the ambulance and say, hey, mm-hmm. no, we need the ambulance now. Make sure we don't lose them. We want them here at code three because they're hypotensive or mm-hmm. they're hypertensive before. You had no idea what that number was. Yeah. Right. So th- th- it'll give that guiding um, intervention for appropriate resource allocation for ambulances for sure. coming to the call. So, yeah, there's going to be a lot of good little changes. Um, it may not sound like a lot for a lot of departments, but uh, unfortunately in BC, that's just what the FR license is for mm-hmm. now. Um, so there's a lot of positive changes for the departments for that. It's a lot more support. I was surprised. I was reading the list off of different things that might change to my wife. And she was surprised to hear the, the EpiPen that we can only assist. Mm-hmm. Basically tell them what they have to do or here you go. Yeah. Whereas now it might be actually, we can actually do the, the injection. Yeah. The, the same with, um, the, uh, Narcan. Yeah. Like in our scope, we actually can't administer. I know. Which is crazy. So like we had a bit of a round round table discussing our FR rollout and, uh, like that's what they're saying. They're like, yeah, like we've, we've got our FR trained fight, you know, uh, firefighters if we have a, a four four-man crew at least three of them are going to be at fr trained and certified um so we're joking it's like man like in our scope we, we can't even administer the uh narcan and i'm like well our driver can because <laughs> they're not certified i'm like i'm sure there's some gray area there yeah but are they uh, operating under the Good Samaritan Act? I don't know. Like I know, and that's what's so scary about it. And that's why these are it's it's long long time coming for these changes, right? For sure. Because literally, I, I teach elementary school kids to give naloxone. You know, yeah. like it's so so having that roadblock as a fire department, mm-hmm. it's pretty frustrating. For when sure. anybody else in the dog or a bystander can come and give it, go and so, grab it for free. Yeah, and administer exactly under the Good Samaritan. It's a long time coming, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely warranted. I mean, as an FR department, we're rolling up to an overdose. You know, it's it's a respiratory emergency. That's what we're there Mm -hmm. to do. So we can sit there and put them on oxygen and, you know, assist ventilations and and do some artificial respirations with our bag glove mask and totally keep them alive. That's what's going to keep them alive, for for sure. Yeah. Manage their airway, suction appropriately, things like that. Yeah. And you can bag all day long and... Mm -hmm. and to keep that person alive. However, right. what's going to reverse that is the, the naloxone. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, it, it's very much warranted. It's about For sure. Yeah, a lot of exciting changes um, for FR departments. Yeah. Uh, that scope of practice, of course, is going to change. Um, there's a whole pile of other changes for the uh, PCPs and the ACPs and CCPs right. as well. I'm not going to get into because there's a pile of things. But, 
It's do you very think, exciting. Do you think that they'll roll out the the changes more for the FR because they're easy, not easier, but they're they're less teaching that has to be done? My gut says yes, but I really don't know. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. I think I was talking with you guys about right. it. Um, that there's they're very uh, basic changes with a little bit of uh, you know knowledge based stuff and some some practical performance stuff you know i think that rollout can come fairly quickly to the instructors and they'll be able to um, hand that out in-house mm-hmm. um i think that would be the the easiest bet i know for us for our training we're gonna have a lot more face-to-face training days because we're going to be doing a lot more interventions mm-hmm. um uh, very invasive interventions as well yeah. um but i think for the fr level uh that's where i see it coming first yeah i really do yeah Exciting times. It is, Mm. yeah. Well, I think we've beat that to death. Let's um, (laughs) let's wrap her up. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right, let's uh, get on to some shout-outs here. Uh, Modus, Ash. Yeah, Modus. um, There's actually, I'll show you guys afterwards. I just got a message today. Uh, There's another new product coming our way. Um, Really excited to share that with you guys here shortly. Um, But what they do have out there now, uh, classic snagger tool, uh, which dating back to the uh, rookie training we did on Wednesday, um, did the classic inch and a half, showed all the the ways to handle that, the two and a half, um, did the whole, you know, defensive coil method, did the Scott's Jimi Hendrix, um, and then busted out the snagger tool and showed like how one person, like one handed, I'm like sitting there running the two and a half, talking to them, moving the whole stream around effortlessly. And they're like, Oh, I want to get my hands on that. And so I <laughs> let obviously each, each of them try. Uh, and I'm like, oh, there happens to be a way I can get you 5% off your next purchase. <laughs> if you use the, the old discount code, DTFF5. <laughs> um, so, I mean, these guys were fresh. Um, you know, hadn't ran a two, a two and a half inch before. Um, only had some hands on um, with some low pressure, in, inch and a half. So it was a pretty, pretty eye opening experience for a single person. And they're like, oh man, this is a bit of a handful like you really have to have your wits about you and we just got a huge dump dump of snow so like myself when i was using it i'm 220 ish and uh like it like it was really slick out there and you had to have a good solid footing blah 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 bust out the snagger works works like a hot, hot damn so uh they got that they got their force entry wedges uh they got some soft soft entry tools there uh with the shove knife with the lloyd tool um and got their pocket organizers uh their soft bags uh a whole pile of stuff uh hydrant wrench so check that out we do have some new product coming uh we've got a cool project we're really looking forward to working with them in the new year uh so keep listening for that we can't wait to share that with you guys mm-hmm. um and again if you uh, like their product uh and they're not running a promotion they run ours all year round uh dtff5 for five percent off awesome uh stop the lead rob Damn it, he got, went for me. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, Stop the Bleed. Uh, stopthebleed.org. Sure. Stopthebleed.org, yeah. Yes, stopthebleed.org. We looked at this last week. Mm-hmm. It was the only thing that I got. It was the only thing that we had to look up last week. Uh, yeah, so there are three. Uh, I was trying to think of the word I wanted to use, but there are three methods of 
bleeding control, obviously there is direct pressure. Uh, there is your tourniquet. Your tourniquet. Yes, there is your tourniquet because that's the one I forgot. Uh, and there is wound packing. And uh, yeah, those are the three things that you can use to stop bleeding. Um, any major bleeds. Uh, yeah, there's uh, there's courses out there. There's uh, If you go to stopthebleed.org, uh, you can obviously try and find uh, program in your area. And uh, if not, there is obviously some, uh, there is some uh, ways that you can become an instructor as well. Mm -hmm. uh, if you check out the information there. Uh, Todd, you are one of the instructors in our area here. Uh, you and Scott. Uh, and yeah, it, it should be taught everywhere. Um, yeah. Whether it's uh, in a school setting, in a work setting, uh, or any emergency services, uh, bleeding control should be uh, for for everybody. Um, and if you want some products, where can you get them? And if you want some products to assist with that, you can go to Rescue Essentials, rescueessentials.com. Uh, they have lots of great training aids, and like Todd talked about in his training scenario, he had the tourniquet, um, uh, the tourniquet uh, unit. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I can't remember the actual name for it. Yeah, yeah, but it it's works like great. It's just like a little, deal. yeah, it's just kind of goes over your whole shoulder and, and bicep area, so you can actually, and it's padded, so you can actually put a tourniquet around and cinch it right up, oh, and nice. it'll it'll stop the bleeding uh, nice. from that simulation. Yeah. So yeah, so they got some cool products like that. Uh, they've obviously got their uh, their IFACs. They've got their medical kits. They've got their bags. They've got their training aids. All, all that type of stuff. Uh, so rescueessentials.com and you can uh, check out their products there. Perfect. Uh, and then uh, Tanner Olson. So uh, hopefully Tanner Olson, hopefully spring seminar would be, this could be optimistic. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. Stay tuned for that. Hopefully things keep um, getting better for us in the world of COVID and, and that stuff can play out. But uh, yeah, Tanner Olson, um, check out the their country music. They're on the, the YouTube. They're doing some shows now as well, um, based out of the um, West Coast of BC. Then you have us. So we have our Facebooks, our YouTube. Uh, we're on the Instagram and TikTok. Um, please uh, go online there, check us out, give us a like, give us a follow, um, and give us some comments. You know, give us some feedback, please. Uh, if there's anything that you would like to improve on, or uh, for us to improve on, rather, uh, and we try and stay engaged with that as as much as we can. Yeah, speaking of being engaged with that, I am going to apologize right now. I'm just going over some of our messages I'll share with you guys on Instagram. Uh, so a bunch of them have been going to um, a, a separate folder that I uh, that we have set up there. I didn't put it there. Uh, wow, I completely apologize for the lack of <laughs> engagement there. There's some really cool stuff that I'm reading here most of it's really really recent uh Good. so yeah we definitely apologize for not not getting back i will i'm not going to answer now because it's currently 11 o'clock at night uh <laughs> local time here so i will uh not be buzzing your phone tonight but we we will be answering within the next day or so so i apologize <laughs> awesome all right we will uh we will get on that uh anyways thanks for listening everybody you guys have mm -hmm. any more for any more no not no, at all rob no, nope. right. I'm good. All right, good night. Good night. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. As always, stay safe. Stay detailed up.